Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of this Going Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. We've got a really special episode today. I'm bringing on Roger Sherman, one of my favorite college football writers, formerly of The Ringer. He recently made a big-time career move and is now traveling the country in search of the most entertaining and best college football games throughout the 2023 season. He was kind enough to hop on the podcast and talk about that, and together we try to decide which Oregon game he should decide to go to um, this this upcoming season. After that, I quickly break down some of the latest news for Oregon, some injury updates, some things to look at uh, going forward into this weekend against Portland State in the season opener. Uh, really good show for you today. This one was a lot of fun. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. I'm thrilled to welcome on Roger Sherman to the show. He's currently uh, at a hotel, I think, in Utah. He spent all day, last uh, two days, driving somewhere in America, making his way on the next stop of his road Raj tour, where he'll be going to some of the best and most entertaining football, uh, college football games this season. Roger, first of all, thank you for coming on. Second of all, can you tell me where in the country you are right now and um, you know what you'll be doing later this day? Yeah, so... Um... Zach and I tried to do this podcast yesterday while I was driving. And you know how when they do ads for like cell phone companies where it shows you the map and like, it, it's like it covers 90% of America. Um, yesterday I was in the part of America that it doesn't cover, which is why this is rural Wyoming. So we had to bail on that recording and try again today. Um, yeah. I'm in Utah right now for uh, Florida at Utah. That's the, that's the second game I'm doing. Last week, I was in Nashville for Hawaii at Vanderbilt, and I uh, drove about. Uh, it was, it was a lot of miles. I, I the rental car gave me unlimited miles, um, but I, I think it was like something like fifteen, sixteen hundred miles, and I'm just going to be going to games all season long. Yeah, yesterday when we started our call, and you said that you were driving through Wyoming, I had a. Uh... I'm not going to lie. I had low hopes for, <laughs> for how well it was going to go, but you know, you're, you're now coming to me in what appears to be a stairwell of a hotel, which is wonderful. It just adds to all of this. Um, so I appreciate you making the time. So week one is kind of the most ridiculous week. It's, it's there are five games in five days. And it's also the only week my wife can join me on the trip uh, because she starts back up at school next Wednesday so she's sleeping in the hotel room now. We're going to be sleeping at very strange hours, so I'm not interrupting any sleep ever. Uh, I've been doing a lot of 4 and 5 a.m. wake-ups to do the drives. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I think, like, the logistics uh, are kind of blowing my mind every day. And there's, there, there, it turns out there's a pretty good reason people don't, go to 60 college football games in one season. That makes sense. So to start, I just want to give you a chance to to dive deeper into this thing that you're doing. It's a pretty big career move you recently made. For those who yeah. don't know, you've been a longtime writer at The Ringer, uh, one of the most entertaining college football writers in my mind. 
Um, you made a Thank big you. change. So tell me more a little about more a little bit about what went into this decision and ultimately what made you jump at the opportunity. Well, um, I just feel like I've, I've been writing about the NFL and college football for a while, and I I'm, I was a blogger. I was you know sitting at home doing blogging. Um, I've seen games pretty much everywhere on TV and I've written about them, but I, I decided it was time for me to go actually see them, uh, go actually attend the games in person. Cause college football is such like a, a sport about, you know, atmosphere, uh, the stadiums, they're, they're and the, the fan bases. When you see them in person, they, uh, to, to use online parlance, they hit different. And, um, I'm just going to go out and get, to, and it's also such a community based thing. Like every, place I've been admittedly I've only been two places so far but like people are just jumping out of the woodwork to show me why their school or their place is like unique and why I should why they why they love it so much and why um why it's better than all the other schools (laughs) so uh people have been like you've got to go here you've got to like sleep on my couch you've got to you've got to let me come buy you a beer so I, I kind of wanted to capture that, and um, I, I just I just decided to go for it. You know, it's it's no no one was going to back a project this dumb besides me. <laughs> it's a it's a very noble effort. So ultimately, I brought you on to see if we can figure out which Oregon game we can we can get you to this year, and which one would best suit you to attend this season, but. Before we get into that, I wanted to ask you some general questions about the Ducks and get your take, um, right. if you're good with that. No problem. Obviously, Oregon is known as the uh, the uniform school, so if you had to choose, what would your favorite Oregon uniform combination be? If you got to, if they asked you one weekend, you know, what should we wear? What would you put them in? Um, anything with the duck on it. Uh, I like the, you know, the the. I, I think they had uniforms or helmets a couple of years ago that had like the 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 Disney fied duck, like Mm -hmm. legit on them. Um, Go with those. Is it weird that I'm like nostalgic for some of the like highlightery uniforms from like 10, 15 years ago that like at the time I was like, this is an affront to the entire concept (laughs) of uniforms. And now I'm like, bring it back, bring back the extremely bright yellow combined with the extremely bright green. Yeah, that that highlighter yellow was kind of hard on the eyes to, at first, but I think that a lot of fans actually those have really grown in the hearts of a lot of fans over the years. I know, right? It's it's like um, once you get used to it, I, I think um, it turns out that the people at Nike, which I've heard it, I've heard is affiliated with the University of Oregon in certain ways, like they actually were onto something with the branding, mm-hmm. like like. Because uh, it's it's true. The rest of the the rest of us have. At first, we were like, "This highlighter yellow is extremely ugly and should be thrown into the <laughs> sea." And and um, they they were right. Now I think of it as Oregon. I think of it as good when I picture that color. I picture Chip Kelly offenses doing extremely fun things, and. It, it it worked. They 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 know what they are doing at, at the swoosh. 
So I want to see if you remember this. Back in 2016, Oregon wore these uniforms against Colorado that were made to look like their mascot, the duck. So they had orange socks and shoes, orange face mask, green tops. I'm curious what you thought of those because those are very kind of controversial in Eugene. No, I'm I'm all for it. I honestly, I the my one concern with the highlighter yellow is that it's not particularly duck you know if you if you see a duck in real life they are (laughs) they would get eaten by a lot of their natural predators if they were highlighter yellow i imagine um so that i i I enjoy when programs are true to their mascots yeah it's not really a color you see in nature very much no no (laughs) we say highlighter yellow and not like you know, tree yellow or something like that. I'm, 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 I'm hoping to meet as many mascots as I can on this, on this tour. I feel like, um, the, the animal occasionally referred to as puddles, uh, but mm-hmm. it was not legal, legally known by that name is, is always down for a good time. I would, I would love to get out there and, and, uh, meet whatever, whatever I'm supposed to call him. The duck, I think, is the the technical term, but everybody in Eugene calls them puddles, so no one will look at you sideways if you call them that. Um, on a more serious note, you're you've been a college football writer for a while, um, and you you know the sport well. What are your general impressions of Dan Lanning, and how do you think the Ducks are going to look in the twenty twenty three season? I i I think we all got really thrown off by not to bring back last season, but like we all got really thrown off by that Georgia game, which turned out to be a totally reasonable thing to happen to, to a college football team playing <laughs> that Georgia program. No, I mean, I've, I, 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 uh, as a, as a big 10 fan, I am, I'm uh, eagerly anticipating you joining uh, the, the league that, that I'm a part of. And um, I, uh, a little, a little bit, a little bit scared, but no, I, I think Dan Lanning's doing uh, good stuff. And I honestly, I want to give more in-depth opinions. Um, but like part of the thing that I'm going to do is uh, just listen to all of the college football podcasts while I'm driving. <laughs> I've been saving up <laughs> on all of them. I'm like, not, not between like, um, like, leaving my job and starting the business, I'm like so out of shape for, for giving actual, actual analysis. I, I, here's what I am. I'm, I want to know what, what people in Oregon feel about is the, the bow billboards. Oh yeah. Those are fun. I was going to ask you about those. I was in New York and, um, and you know, I saw the giant, the giant Oregon, this giant Oregon billboard. There's the one in Dallas where his arm appears to be coming apart at yeah. the seams. Um, I'm I'm excited and confused by. I, I'm ready to be excited and confused by Bonix and see what he's able to do in his in his last, uh, you know, go around here and uh, where where he ends up in in April and and how how like I I I'm just. I can feel the discourse coming from a mile away. Yeah. I think exciting and confused are two really good words to describe the career of Bo Nix because at times he's been super exciting and a lot of times he's done things that make you super confused. Um, so yeah, the, I think the billboards are, they've been really entertaining. 
Um, as long as you don't, I mean, there's a lot of people reading way too much into them. Like, oh, this is not going to sway Heisman voters, or this is not going to get recruits who are walking the streets of downtown New York City. But that's not what it's about. There aren't any. There aren't any recruits walking yeah, the streets. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's not what it's about. Um, yeah, I, but I the, go ahead. The context I wanted to provide is that that extremely giant one in New York is hand painted on the side of that building. Yeah. Yeah. This is my, you, you've got a new, a New Yorker who, who has, who walks past that side regularly. I wanted to come on here to the Oregon pod and let you guys know several people spent several days in the sun building, like, like working on, on that giant bonix, which I think is a wonderful thing. That's really impressive. I'm just curious what the budget was for. That's what I really want to know. I, I, I hear that Oregon may have an athletic budget. I think yeah. <laughs> yes, there's there's one certain donor uh, named Phil Knight who I think might have shelled out a little bit for that. Also, now you guys are big. You know, you got the B one G. Yeah, I'm not sure. sure you can you can you can sort of spend with a little bit of advance on that cash. Uh, I think that's very fair. All right, so I've put together a few questions for you based on your answers. I think we'll be able to determine which duck game that you should go to this year. So, you ready for these? All right, let's go. All right, what environment means more to you? One where there is a lot of hype for the game, but maybe a blowout is in stow, or a less popular matchup that has a chance to be a nail-biter? Definitely number one. I, I think the most important thing is the like the way people are, are... The thing I want to capture the most is the way people are feeling about the sport. I'm not 100% sure I'm going to be getting into the best games. The best games tend to be expensive. Yes. But like feeling feeling how fan bases feel about each other, why if this game is going to be a blowout, why are people so excited about it? What makes you care about this moment more than others and this team and and this time? So that that's what I want to get. If a game does happen to be good, like the the, the Hawaii Vanderbilt game I was at last week turned out to be more really exciting than the yeah. Vanderbilt. Yeah, more exciting than the Vanderbilt fans wanted it to be. Like, that's fine. Um, but I'm sort of acknowledging that, you know, if you remember uh, that time five minutes ago when you asked me about Oregon's current football team and I kind of hunted <laughs> on the answer, um, like, I'm, I'm sort of going into this acknowledging that um, I'm probably not going to see the most, like, it, it, like the actual shape of the of the race to the college football playoff, so to speak, you know, like those games will be happening on TV while I'm at another game. But, but after like 10 years of, of watching every important football game on my TV, I'm, I'm okay to learn about what makes the, the other ones interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, it's a different side of college football for sure. Um, what do you like more, a mascot who clearly resembles the school's name or a mascot who is strangely unrelated to the school? That's a great question. Um, I'm going to go with two, I think. Just just because so many like of the actual mascot names tend to be conventional. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like when they're when they sort of deviate and, and go out there. But I think I think we as a society agree that that random and like Phoenix confusing mascots um, should be celebrated. I agree with that one. 
All right, so you are someone who I've seen over the years is not afraid to go against the grain, obviously, obviously now by losing your job and, and traveling cross-country. So if ESPN's college game day is in town, does that make you more or less likely to want to choose to go to that game? I'd say more. I'd say more. Um, I don't want to do college football every week or college game day every week because, you know, like I said, that I'd just be going to all of all of the biggest games of the year. But I, I feel like I'd like to experience it in, in like a, a, a thorough way at least once. I went to college game day once as an undergrad, um, but I went to Northwestern. They didn't really show out at all. Uh, it was, it was, it was, I, I, I'd like to see a, a legit run um, like a, uh, on like a very excited campus that's that's up way too early in the morning. Yeah, that's I mean, Eugene when college game day does come is it's a fun place. I went a couple times as a student and then, you know, there's been a couple times since I've been covering the team. It's definitely entertaining. What time do you have to wake up for West Coast game day? Like three I mean game day starts at game day starts at six out here. So yeah, there I mean there's a lot of college students that just, you know, stay up all night and they're there so they've been drinking there at the front gates since you know, since they set them up. Also if I go to one where game day, there's like the off chance that they decide to do like a bid on me and like it it, it convinces people to follow me online. So I I have to hold that in my back pocket. I think that's very if any, smart. If any T V network uh, <laughs> wants to talk to me. I will. I will let you talk to me. I think that you should go after Pat McAfee. He seems like the most reasonable yeah, one, and the one call. that would likely bring you up. That's a good call. All right, last question here. You get to choose either a revenge game where emotions are high, or a potential top ten matchup where you know there's college football playoff ramifications on the line. Absolutely, revenge. Revenge is more fun. Revenge. Okay. Revenge, revenge. You know, it. What I, I think, I think, I think football is a sport of feelings. It is. It is. We we pretend it isn't, but it is a sport of emotions, uh, and that's that's. It really speaks to our souls, and uh, when it's nice when those emotions are are just winning or getting to the championship game. But in college football, they tend to be deeper and they often stand for like bigger things that we're feeling. And revenge has to be the, one of the top college football uh, uh, feelings out there. Absolutely. All right. Let me tabulate these results real quick. Um, it looks actual formula set up. No, not at all. I just, I just picked based off your answers. I had a few games that I was going to, pick and there's actually two that i think fit really well i'm hearing beeps and boops from the computer (laughs) let me just plug in your answers real quick um well i think my answer there's a clear winner but the only problem is this game is not being played in eugene but i think that based on your answer this game is going to have a lot of hype there is potential that game day will be there there is a revenge factor on both sides and one of the team's mascots has nothing to do with the team's name so it sounds like you should stay where you are right now and go to the Oregon Utah game because I'm, that's going to be I, an incredibly good game. I'm not going to be doing a lot of repeat appearances. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I figured. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
it, it's um, one of the reasons, um, well, the main reason I came here is because my followers voted on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they decided to send me here. But like the home crowd here has, they, they've had a, they've, they've done, they've really cleaned up at home. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you know that they're kind of, this year is going to be so interesting because everyone's going to want to go out with that last Pac-12 title, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like here in Utah, if they close with a three-peat, that would be like, that would be like, they, they, you would never get them to shut up again. Yeah. Um, so, so that game is going to be huge. And um, that, that would be an awesome one to be at. Yeah. Do, so do you think people from Oregon are going to head on down to that? I think a lot of people will. I think that over the past few years, I mean, Utah and Oregon have kind of swapped wins and and heartbreaking losses to each other over the past few years, that this being their last chance to play each other, um, I think both fan bases are pretty happy that they won't have to see each other again in the future. So, yeah, yeah, I I, wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people go to that. The the way Utah is just uh, like a real like pain in everyone's asses in the conference. Like, like, like you'll, you guys will be happy to be rid of him. USC will be happy to be rid of him. Um, so can I, can I say what my actual like thoughts about where, which game I'm going to go to are? Yes. Yeah. Go for it. Um, So what are the, like, I, I mean, it's, I think one of the things I want to get at is like how much the sport is changing right now. You know, it's, it, there are all these games and matchups that are, are going away. And um, I, I think um, Oregon fans should be very excited to be moving to the Big Ten. Um, and uh, it's going to make the Big Ten have all sorts of uh, important games. But I want to go to the potentially last game between Oregon and Oregon State oh, uh, during rivalry week. And um, since that game is on Friday and the last game between Washington and Washington State is on Saturday... I can do them both back to back. I'm sort of interested how Oregon fans will feel about that game because like, you know, obviously you're, you're, you're the ones who are moving on to a different thing. Um, And I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see what that atmosphere is like. And, uh, and, 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 and that's, that's the one I've got circled for sure. No, I think that that fits a lot of the criteria that I at least laid out, too. There is a lot of revenge going on because Oregon fans are mad after last year. Oregon State fans are mad yeah. that you know their their other state team is leaving them for a better conference. And there's really good potential that this could be a, a you know top 15 matchup that has good Pac-12 title game ramifications, potential college football playoff ramifications if DJ Uyunglele is as good as we think he could be, so... Yeah, I think that that'll be a good one-two punch with you getting that and the Apple Cup in the same weekend. Yeah, definitely more. Uh, I feel like I, I I don't I don't think the Apple Cup will be as much of a I don't think Wazoo mm-hmm. is is as big of a deal this year. Um, well, it, I mean, it really could have title implications potentially. Like I, I I think more likely for Oregon than Oregon State, but like it's. It's 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 it really can decide who gets to be in that last Pac-12 championship game, which would be fascinating. Yeah, I agree. 
All right, we're going to end it there. Thank you so much, Roger, for coming on and taking some of the time out of your very busy schedule right now to talk. Uh, why don't you real quick tell people how you, they can best follow you and subscribe to your content over the next few months and follow you along with your jersey? Yeah, sure thing. So I'm uh, Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R. Um, so that's that's my handle on Twitter, just Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, um, Roger Sherman on Instagram. Uh, the name of the project is Road Rodge. Uh, so, uh, that's, that's, uh, how I'm posting all my YouTube videos. And, uh, basically I'm putting out things on every content on, on every platform and see which ones I'm actually good at producing content for. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so wherever you, uh, wherever you find me, um, that'll be great. And, you know, I'll, I'll, hopefully I'll see you at the game. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll be there and I'll, I'll try and I'll text you or, or message you or something. So fine. You see if I can buy you a beer or something for doing this. And I will, I'll plug in all of your, uh, the social stuff in the description of this episode. So people can find you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Best of luck on this venture again. Thank you very much. I can't wait to follow along and uh, have fun tonight at the Utah, Florida game. Yeah. Thank, thanks, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm so excited and nervous about all the driving I have to do. <laughs> It's definitely a lot. Save up on those podcasts. All right. Not a whole lot to share as we're heading into week one. Um, We've kind of been talking about fall camp for the past month or two. So um, honestly, it's just, you know, we're all, we're all tired of the same storylines, the same questions, and we're ready to just see some, some real football that matters. And, um, you know, actually just see football, see this offense, see some of these players play. So, um, you know, on top of that though, there are, there are some injury updates that we can talk about. Uh, the best news that came out this week is with Jackson Powers Johnson, the starting center for the Ducks. Um, he had been missing a few practices. I think he missed probably an entire week, maybe a little bit more earlier in the month. He is back. It looks like he will be ready to play. Um, he's been, you know, it sounds like he's doing well in practice. He's been taking some some reps at center, and, um, you know, it, it looks like he's going to play. Um, I don't know how much he's going to play, honestly, with playing someone like Portland State. You know, you want your starters in there for two quarters max. Um, even with with JPJ, I think maybe you get him a few series just to get him, you know, in the swing of things, get the, you know, the um, get the reps with the rest of the starting line and just get some continuity there and get the feel. But really, this is this is great news for Texas Tech in week two. Um, going down into Lubbock, you really want your best five guys on the offensive line ready to play. And JPJ is undoubtedly the team's best center. So um, I think this is really huge that JPJ is coming back, not because it means that, you know, Oregon, Oregon doesn't really need the help beating Portland State this weekend. It's not that, but you just want the continuity all on the offensive line. And you don't want JPJ getting his first start of the year down in Lubbock. Next to JPJ, um, Nashad Struther, who is competing for the left guard spot. Um, he seems unlikely to play. We saw in a picture over the weekend that he was wearing a sling on his right arm. Lanning said in his press conference on Monday night that he is, you know, a question to play. Um, we'll see if he if he ends up playing at all, but we have not seen him at practice either today. I'm recording this on Wednesday, this part of the podcast on Wednesday. Uh, we didn't see him today. We didn't see him yesterday. And I think he missed both practices last week as well. So he's been out for a little bit. We asked Lennon today on Wednesday, um, you know, what the status of Struther was, as well as a couple other guys. And, you know, he declined to comment as you would expect. But uh, at this point, I would be shocked if we saw Nashad on 
on Saturday against Portland State. And you know what? I, I'm not sure that we'll see him next week against Texas Tech either. It feels like Marcus Harper probably has that left guard spot right now, the starting left guard spot. Um, that could change as the season goes on. I know that Nishad, when healthy, is a really good player and was right in the thick of it with that uh, competition for the left guard spot. But um, it's it's unfortunate this injury came when it did because I think that he had a good chance to start. But when he gets healthy, I'm sure he can still push Marcus Harper. And none of this is to say anything bad against Marcus Harper. He's a great player. He was a starter for the entire season last year with one of the best offensive lines in the nation. So we know that he can do what he needs to, and he can be a serviceable piece up front. But um, you know, the team landing, the coaching staff obviously liked Struther enough to bring him in. So we'll hope that he gets back healthy sooner rather than later. On Wednesday, Lanning also declined to say whether or not linebacker Justin Jacobs would play this week. He has been at practice uh, the past couple of weeks. I think he missed you know one or two practices a couple of weeks ago. But um, when he has been at practice, he's been wearing trainers, which you know are more tennis shoes, not cleats, um, for the past few weeks. And um, I'm told that he has not been playing in scrimmages either, so he's not really doing a full workload. I think he's still. Um, you know, I don't know what his injury is. I know he had a, a major knee injury last year with Iowa and sat out most of the year. So he could still be feeling some some drawbacks from that, could still be rehabbing back to 100%. But he's someone that the Ducks really do need to get healthy once they get later into the year because he's a huge piece for their defense. Um, it'd be great to see him next week against Texas Tech. Hopefully this is a situation where... Uh, you know, you sit him on Saturday, he's maybe not 100%, but by next week, he could be back to that 100% and uh, be a force for the Ducks in the middle because you're going to need all the help you can get against Texas Tech. They're a, they're a really good team, and that's going to be a, a big game for Oregon to be completely healthy for. A couple others, Tatum Tuioti, a true freshman, has been gone from practice for a couple of weeks now. We saw him after practice yesterday without any brace or anything on, but he has been seen on crutches in the past couple of weeks, so I would say that it's unlikely for him to play. Uh, he was not at practice today either. So, um, And then two others, Kamari Terrell and Casey Kelly, other players who have missed some time uh, over the past couple of days. Uh, Kamari was actually, he was there yesterday and today, but he was gone last week. Casey Kelly was gone today. Um, we asked, we asked landing about whether or not they'd be here. And we asked him specifically about Casey Kell. And he said that he thinks he should be good to go. But, um, at this point I would list them as questionable. Who knows if we will see them on Saturday. Who knows if it will matter? Um, you know, looking at Portland state, it's a little bit tough sometimes to, to really figure out how you should determine success for Oregon. Obviously, you know, there's not a spread for this game because it's a, against an FCS school, but, I was talking to Shane Potter and JD Pluett on their podcast earlier today, and we figured that the line should be around, you know, Oregon minus 40, minus 40 and a half, somewhere around there. It's, I mean, it's going to be a blowout. Um, I don't expect this to be a close game at all. I think you've got major problems if it is a close game. But, you know, you look at ways to determine success other than a win, because that's obviously first and foremost. Um, you know, we asked Bo about that earlier this week, and um, he said that. Uh, one of the biggest things for them is that they can run the ball and that they run the ball uh, repeatedly and successfully and that they can just really control the offense and get what they need to on the ground. Obviously, they're going to pass the ball as well. They want to find success in the passing game, but um, to, make, to make sure that they're physical up front and that they're able to you know, run the ball at will and uh, really control the game and, and just uh, you know, 
just just force their will on Portland State throughout the game. For me, one of the biggest things I'm looking for is defensive success. I mean, we had so many questions about this Oregon team and this Oregon defense last year that um, I've, I'm not worried about the offense. I don't really care if Oregon goes out and scores 35 points on Saturday or 72 points on Saturday. That doesn't doesn't really mean anything to me because I'm not concerned about them going into the year offensively. I know that they can put up points when they want to. If they go out on Saturday and do like USC did last week and they gave up 28 points, that I think is a problem. You know, this is this is a defense that had a lot of questions after last year and they supposedly retooled. I feel very confident in how they retooled. I like a lot of the pieces that they brought in, but uh, if they can't hold Portland State to, you know, under 20 points, I would love to see under two touchdowns. I'd love to see a, you know, a 50 to nine game, something like that. Um, I don't think it's realistic to ask them to pitch a shutout. That seems very, very hard to do in a in four quarter game, but I would just love to see a dominant defensive performance. That's my number one key uh, for this game. That, that would give me the most confidence about this team going into Texas Tech. You talk about score predictions a little bit. I mean, there's there's so many different ways this could go. I mean, on one hand, against the Portland State team, if the starters stayed out there for the entire game, then yeah, this could be a 70-something a to, to 10 game. I don't think that's going to happen, though, because I think that Bo Nix and that, that starting offense, they're going to get out to a good first half, good two quarters, and they're going to build quite a big lead. I mean, they could enter halftime with a 30-point lead or something. And then you get the starters off the field and you get some of the backups into play and get experience. So I don't think this is a game where Oregon hangs 60 or 70. Um, I would love to be wrong. That sounds fun to watch just a high scoring affair on offense at least. Uh, But I think that this will probably be around like, I think my prediction is going to be 56 to 13. I think that satisfies both keys to success. Um, I think you've got a really good offensive performance. Hopefully you run the ball really well. And then again, defensively, that's a a huge win. If you can keep them under two touchdowns, get a touchdown, couple of field goals, maybe a missed extra point or something in there. I think that's a I think that's a really good day, and I think you should feel really confident if that's the outcome going into Texas Tech and feel really good about where the Ducks are, especially defensively. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you again to Roger Sherman for coming on and taking some time out of his busy travel schedule to talk to us and, and tell us more about what he's doing this year and talk a little bit of Ducks too. I can't wait to get him out to Eugene this year. Hopefully you get to uh, meet up with him in person and, and, you know, have a good time with him. But, um, you know, as I record this, we're just a few days away from kickoff. It's currently Wednesday night right now. Um, the the game on Saturday, noon kickoff at Autzen against Portland State. I know that a lot of listeners to this will be out there. I'm excited to be back in Autzen Stadium once again. Um, I plan to hop on probably on Sunday or Monday. I'm not sure. Just do a little bit of a recap pod. Um, I'll probably record that Sunday and it might go out Sunday night or Monday morning, depending on how quick I can get it edited. Uh, But that will probably be the schedule for the season going out. I think I'll do a a post game ish pod, a recap pod on Sunday or Monday, and then a, uh, a looking forward podcast on probably Tuesday or Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday, somewhere around there. Um, so that's what you can look forward to going into the season as we do this two podcasts per week type of schedule. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. 
We will talk to you guys after the game over the weekend. Until then, take it easy. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.